today. Amen. Well, at this point of the service, I would usually say take your seats, but flop down on the couch or wherever you're at. Um, I'm going to grab some water because that cracker sucked all the moisture out of my mouth. And my microphone is not on. Hey, we have had quite the learning curve this week. Uh, we found out on Friday that we would not be able to meet in Sellers Elementary School. And I got to tell you, I'm so proud uh, of our team, our tech team, our worship team, our media team. They uh, moved heaven and earth to make this possible uh, today. And so, uh, and I know we are in the same boat of so many other churches uh, around the world, but I want to say a special thank you to our, our tech and media team and our worship team uh, for making the adjustments that needed to be made uh, so that we could worship together today. So again, I want to welcome you to Thrive Church. Um, it's so good to have you with us online today. Um, we would love to know who is with us and participating in service today. So I know a bunch of you are watching and you've jumped on the, on the, the comments or in the chat room. Um, but, but would you make sure to let us know that you were with us today? If you are watching uh, through thriveglendor.org and through the, the message viewer, uh, the, just know that there's a connect card that's available at the top of the screen. You can click connect card and there's a way to fill that out and just let us know that you were worshiping with us uh, today. Also, would you do this for us? Um, we know that, that maybe uh, you're sitting in a living room with eight or ten people or four people. Uh, could you hop on the comments or in the chat room and just let us know how many people uh, are worshiping with you this morning so we can have just a, a sense of, of the impact that, that God is making uh, this morning. Also in the Connect card, you're going to find a place there for uh, filling out some information about yourself. Most importantly is this, if you can give us your email address, we want to make sure that we're communicating with you through this time. Um, if you're not getting emails from the church, if you're a regular part of Thrive Church and you're not getting our emails, either we don't have your current email address or it's going to your junk folder. So I want to encourage you, uh, check your junk folder, see if any communication has come in from the church, and then add, uh, add the church to your safe sender list. Um, you can also submit prayer requests through, through the app. If you're watching through thriveglendor.org, there's a place to submit prayer requests there uh, as well. We want to work as, as much as we can over these next few weeks to stay connected to each other and, and be encouraging each other. Uh, one of the easiest ways for you to connect is through our app. And we have an app at Thrive Glendor. If you're, again, if you're watching online, uh, there can be a, there's a link on thriveglendor.org to the app. Uh, and you can download that in the Google Play Store or in the, uh, or in the uh, App Store, the Apple App Store. Uh, look for the Tithely Church app. And then once you download that, uh, go ahead and search for Thrive Church Glendora. Uh, you can add link to us. And then after that, it'll always go back. Uh, and I want to ask you a special favor. Uh, if you could enable your, your push notifications for that app. One of the ways that we're communicating this week uh, is through push uh, notifications. We don't want to inundate you or overwhelm you. Promise we're not going to flood your, your phone, um, but we want to be able to keep you up to date with the latest news, what's happening, uh, where we're gathering. I know for a fact that over these next few weeks at least uh, that we will be coming to you uh, through through the internet uh, as, as the coronavirus uh, pandemic continues and, um, and we are believing for healing. We're praying for a turnaround. Uh, but I know for us as Thrive Church, we meet in a public school. And so 
uh, that restriction has been uh, given to us. We can't meet in person. So we want to be able to stay up to date. You can also access uh, sermons on the app. Uh, you can fill out a connect card there. You can send in prayer requests, uh, find out what's going on uh, here at Thrive Church. So check that out. Um, I also want to encourage us as a church, before I get to my message this morning, and, and this is true for anyone, whether you're a regular part of Thrive Church or uh, you're in another country. Uh, I know as I was chatting with my friend in England this morning and he was sharing about the same things happening there that are happening here. I know I've got family all over the world, family in South Africa. Hi, guys. It's good to see you. Um, I know this is happening all around the world, and it's amazing to me how in times of crisis like this, how people revert to taking care of themselves. Uh, and, and that is not God's design for us, that we are people who are called to serve each other. And, and so here's some encouragement for you. Uh, yes, our lives have been turned upside down. And, and yes, there's things that are happening that are disrupting our normal schedule and our normal lives. But we can be a blessing to each other in the midst of it. And so um, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, there's a bunch of people I know in our community who all of a sudden on Friday afternoon found out their kids are not going to be in school for the next few weeks, which if you have, uh, if you work, if you're a single parent or if you, uh, if, if both people and both adults in the home work, uh, you might be wondering, what do I do with my kids now for the next few weeks? And, and so we recognize there's a need, uh, but we also recognize there's people that could help with that need. And so if you're one of those, if you're someone who says, you know what, I, I would make myself available to help care for someone else's kids to alleviate that. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you fill out the Connect card and would you just indicate that? Would you give us your name and your contact information? Let's, let's make sure we have the latest contact info. And then just put in the notes section, hey, I can help. I'm, I'm available to help. Or maybe you're on the need side and, and you're kind of going, I don't know what to do. Uh, fill out that Connect card and indicate that and just say, hey, I, I need some help. Um, we, we can't promise anything, but I can promise we're going to do our best to connect resource to need. We're going to connect the resource to need. In Acts chapter 2, uh, there's this picture of this newly formed church of Jesus Christ. And it says in, in Acts chapter 2, be, between verses 42 and 47, that this group of people came together. They had everything in common. They worshiped together. They broke bread together, which we've done today. And it says that they gave as it gave to each other as, the, as there was need, and no one had any lack. I believe today is a prophetic moment. I believe that God is calling us back to those original roots for us as a church where we would take the walls of division and separation and tear those down and say, how can we be a blessing to each other? And I want to encourage you, adopt a servant's heart during this time. Find ways to serve the people in your community. Another thing I want to encourage you to do is to give generously. I want to encourage generosity in the midst of a hoarding mentality I want to encourage generosity. A friend of mine shared a story. It was a, at a grocery store and overheard someone offering another lady in the store. He said, hey, I, I've got some packages of toilet paper in my car uh, that I can sell to you, $190 for a package of toilet paper. And I heard that my heart just broke. Right. My heart just broke. And I thought, you know, that's, that's not profiteering or opportunistic. That's evil. That is opposite the heart of God. That's right. 
the heart of God would say, how can I give? And one of the ways that we stand in the face of what the enemy wants to accomplish is we move in the opposite way. And so I want to encourage generosity. If you uh, are not a regular part of Thrive Church, uh, I want to encourage you find a place to give in your community. Uh, if you are a regular part of Thrive Church, if you're part of this church family, and, and this is open to anyone, um, I want to encourage you to give. Uh, there are going to be families who come up, uh, come up against difficult times as their income wanes, and we want to be able to sh share with people and, and, and bless people. Again, in the book of Acts, in chapter 11, the church in Antioch received a prophetic word that there is going to be a famine. And what did they do? It says that the disciples, each as, each, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They took an offering. And they took that offering and they sent the money and they became a blessing to those. So some of you uh, have the means. You're able to give. And I would say during this season, I, I believe that over and above giving will honor the Lord and be a blessing to people. And we want to be as a church with our church council and our pastors, we want to be ready to meet those needs and bless people uh, as those needs arise. I also want to encourage this. Um, we're going to pray for our offering as we do every week. We we worship God with our finances at Thrive Church. That's one of the things that we do. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity to worship God. And it's an opportunity for us to say, you know what? This money doesn't have a hold of me. I have a hold of it. And it belongs to the Lord. And I can honor the Lord with my giving. And so, again, if you are a part of this church family, I want to encourage you. Remain faithful in your giving. Right. Don't let the enemy come in and say, hey, you're not going there in person. It's okay. Let the Lord stir your heart in that. There are things that we're needing to do as a church family to facilitate this form of worship. And I want to encourage you, participate in what God is doing in the midst of this season. And so there's a link at the top of the screen. If you're watching on uh, through, the, through the website, you can give right there securely through the, the Tithely uh, platform. Um, if you're watching on Facebook or, 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 or Instagram or somewhere else, head over to thriveglendora.org. Uh, and the link to give is right there. And I want to encourage you to, to continue uh, giving of your tithes and then also of your offerings to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And I'm going to go ahead and pray right now for that. Jesus, we thank you that you are our source, that you are our provider, that you are our all in all. And so we worship you with our finances today. We ask, Lord, that you would take our giving and that you would multiply it for for not just for your kingdom, but Lord, for this season on earth where there is great need. And I pray, Lord, that the story of what the church does in this season would be front page news around the world that the body of Christ would rise up, Lord, and, and give in such a way, Lord, that the world would take notice, that we would be countercultural in how we look at our stuff, how we look at our finances, Lord, and we give you praise and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen. Well, what a difference a week makes. What a difference a week makes. If you told me last week that this would be happening, I'd be like, no way, we're under, a, we're under the 250 cap, we're good, and then not so much. Um, but again, thank you to everyone who's pitched in and helped out and just jumped in to make this possible today. We have been in a series as Thrive Church, if, if, you're, uh, if you're not a regular part of our congregation, we're in a year-long series called God Is, 
God is. And we have been exploring the question and asking the question, who is God? Asking this question, what do I believe about God? What are, what are my beliefs about who God is? And why do I believe what I believe about God? That's an important question to ask. And then asking this, how do I know that what I believe about God is actually true? Uh, it might come as a shock to you, but not everything you believe about God is accurate. There are some things that you believe about God that are probably off base, which means that we need to be inspecting constantly. What do I believe? Why do I believe it? How did I, how did I arrive at this belief? And then asking this question, which is so poignant for us today. If it is true, how should it affect my life? I think two weeks ago, that question had a different weight to it. But in the midst of this, in times like these, it's where our belief systems really get put to the test. What do I believe and how do I live it out? Not when times are easy, but when times are difficult, when things are hard, when things go sideways, when things don't go the way I expected. What do I believe? How do those beliefs affect my life? Our theme for the last two Sundays, funny enough, God's timing, were God is for us, and then last Sunday was God is my strength. And if you have, haven't listened to those uh, messages, you can find those online. You can uh, find them on the app. I encourage you uh, to go listen. But we, we talked about this, that God is my strength and God is for us doesn't mean that our lives are going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have struggles, that we're not going to have pain, that we're not going to have any opposition, uh, that there, there's not going to be any lack in our lives. And, and can I tell you, the opposite is true as well. Just because there is pain, because there is suffering, because there is disruption in our lives, doesn't mean that God stopped being for us, right. that he stopped being our strength. I think so many people right now are, di are discovering that they need God more than ever. And what a gift that is. Uh, James writes in James 1 verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Pure joy. Say pure joy. Where you're at. Say pure joy. Pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. How many of you have faced a trial this week? I think everyone. I think the whole world. I think the globe would say we are facing a trial. And, and James says this. Pure joy. Pure joy. Can I tell you right now, if you're, what you're feeling isn't pure joy, that first question about what you believe comes into play. Because this is truth. This is God's word to us. Now, it doesn't mean that we live in ignorance, that we ignore things. But it means that there's something deeply seated in us that grounds our faith, that establishes it. Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 12 through 13, and I've heard this verse a lot this week. I know what it is to be in need. I know there's people right now who need toilet paper. That's a real need. <laughs> I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things, all this, through him who gives me strength. We so often quote the last verse in that. I can do all things. Woohoo! 
until things get difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not I can do all easy things. He's saying is I can do anything. I can face any situation, any circumstance, any lack, any need, any fear. I can do all things through Christ who gives right. me strength. Right. Why? Because I've learned the secret. Learn the secret. And the great thing is this. The secret is not such a great secret. It's available for all of us to know. And this is the secret that Paul knew. God is in control. God is in control. He has not lost control. He's not out of control. He hasn't exited on stage left. He's not like, yeah, I'm done. I can't handle this. God is firmly in control control. And, and I think some of us and, and, and those around us would say, well, if God is in control, why doesn't he just fix it? Just fix it. Make it better. But you remember what Joseph said, what the enemy is intended for evil and harm and destruction, God is intended for good. And so he has a perspective on our lives and on this world that we don't have. Right. Does God desire that people would suffer and even pass away from a virus? Not at all. We recognize we live in the midst of a broken world. And when it comes to saying, well, just fix it, well, we, we celebrate the way that God fixed it when we just broke bread and received right. the cup. Yes. That was his solution right. to saying, hey, I'm making myself available, that there's a deeper need that exists in mankind, and I want to meet that need. John 10.10, 10, a key passage for our church, says this, the thief comes only, only, to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want you to say that with me, but I want you to insert your name instead of the word they. So I have come that Barry may have life and have it to the full. Try it. You say it for yourself. I have come that may have life and have it to the full. You see the contrast here, the, the enemy, Satan, just wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what he's doing. This is not figurative. This is literal. Right. He is out to destroy lives, to kill people, to rob them of their joy, to rob them of their peace, to take away their hope, to take away their, their faith, to destroy their relationships, to create distrust and mistrust between people. But Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd and I am the great shepherd and I have come just to, I've come to give you life, to lead you into green pastures and beside still waters, to quiet the, the, the disrupted, skittish, nervous, anxious places in your souls. In fact, knowing that Jesus is our good and great shepherd, the writer of Hebrews says we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, an anchor that would secure us in the midst of tumultuous times, in the midst of stormy times. We have this anchor as a hope for our souls. I'm going to turn again to Paul. He writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think about such things. I can't think of a better verse for times like these. Now, there's lots of great passages in the Bible, and there's lots of things that are speaking and bringing life to the church of Jesus Christ. But I tell you what, when I look around the world right now, what I see is a ton of anxiety, a ton of anxiety. So let's unpack this a little bit. What is Paul saying? Well, he starts out by saying rejoice. Rejoice. Remember, James said, consider consider it all joy. Here Paul's saying rejoice in the Lord, not rejoice in your circumstances. Not rejoice in the pain. That's, that's, not, that's not normal. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. I've never caught before the timing or the placement of this passage or this verse. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why does he precede the anxiety with this? I think the answer is clear to us. I think as people become anxious, they become unkind. As people become anxious, they start hurting other people. They start doing things that are not gentle. If you go to the grocery store right now, you're not going to encounter gentleness. I almost got run over in Costco the other day because people were clamoring for bottles of water. Are we being gentle in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the circumstances? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. That when we are anchored in Jesus, when we rejoice in the Lord, that there is a peace and there is a gentleness to our lives. And then he says, the Lord is near. And this is not just a reference to the second coming. It's not a reference to Jesus is coming. And yes, Jesus is coming. But Jesus is already here as well. He is present with you in the midst of the the circumstances you find yourself in. And then Paul says this, do not be anxious about anything. Now, how many of you would say this? If you're anxious and someone tells you, stop being anxious, your anxiety just melts away. And you're like, oh, that helped. That was really, that was really good. Hey, I'm really fearful. Stop being afraid. Okay, it's over. I'm done. I'm, I'm at peace. No, usually what it does is actually causes the anxiety to increase. There's a great skit, an old skit with Bob Newhart. Right, People go in and they, they're getting counseling from him as a counselor and they share their stories. And, and then he just says to them, stop it. And they're like, what? And he goes, whatever you're doing, just stop it. And, and it's funny because it's so, it's so obvious that this doesn't work. Paul in this passage is not ignorant. He's not saying do not be anxious in a way, that, in, a, in a tone that says, stop being anxious. Get over it. He, he, what he's doing is, is, is painting a picture of what we should be doing instead. See, just telling someone to stop doing something, don't be afraid, don't be upset, don't be stressed, causes those things. And I want to say this, in this season, don't ignore your feelings and your emotions. God has wired us, he's given us the capacity to feel things, to have emotions, to feel the pain that we're feeling. And it's not about just going, oh, I... I shouldn't feel that, so just try harder. It never works that way. What it is about is this. It's about paying attention to what we're feeling and saying, Lord, I surrender this to you. I bring this to you. God, I'm anxious in this moment, and I'm trying to understand why. I'm, I'm trying to understand what's going on in my heart. I'm trying to understand uh, why I'm fearful. Lord, would you show me where, what this root of fear is, what the background of this fear is, where it's coming from, and why it is this way. 
and, and, and then invite God into the struggle. So it's not about just eliminating something. It's about creating a space to say, God, I need your voice in this. I need you to speak to me. I need you to help me understand why. God, I, I, I lay this before you. See, we need a reason to be less anxious. Can't just say, don't be anxious. So what Paul is saying is, you need a reason to be less anxious. And then he gives us this reason. He says, because you can come to God and you can make every prayer and petition with thanksgiving. You can make your requests known. That God is ready to listen. And when we come and we offload on him, God's okay. When you're stressed, when you're anxious, right? It's, it's not this place of piety where you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to bow my head and close my eyes and put my hands together and talk in a different tone of voice. God's okay with it. If you're like, God, I can't handle this. I can't handle what's going on. I'm stressed out. God's not going to be freaked out and go, oh, take down, take, 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 take it down a notch. I can't handle that. He's going to say, hey, come here and let me love on you. But we need to come to him, make those prayers, be honest with him. God, this is what, what's going on in me. This is what I'm feeling. This is why I'm sad, or I don't even know why I'm sad or angry or upset. I don't know why I'm anxious, but I, I want to bring it to you. I want to trust you. I want to make these requests known to you. And, and look what Paul says is the result of this kind of posture. He says, the peace of God, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, what does it do? It will guard your hearts, your emotions, and your minds, your thinking. And those are the two places where we get hung up. It's either our emotions or our thinking. Some people are the thinking people, and they rehearse things in their mind, and it's, oh, the worst-case scenario. Or it's the person who, I'm a deep feeler. I feel things. I cry at the drop of a hat. I just, I, I feel deeply and my emotions, though I embrace them, can also lead me astray. In the same way, our thinking can lead us astray. And what we have to say is, God, would your peace guard my hearts, uh, guard our hearts and our minds? It's like guardrails on a freeway. God's saying, you're moving, and, and I'm going to set up my peace as, this, as these guardrails to the left and to the right to hem you in so that you don't go over the edge, that God will guard our hearts and our minds. What a great promise. And remember what I said, God's promises are true. He is not a liar. And then Paul finishes this thought to them and he says, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is where your focus should be. This is where your perspective should be. This is where your gaze should be. And, and here's the thing. If my heart and my mind are running out of control, my behavior will follow suit and the people around me will be affected by that. But if we will take God at his word and say, God, would you bring your peace to bear in my life? Would you hem me in with your peace? So the left and to the right, the result was this, that we will start realizing, you know what? I need to be committed to what is true. What is true? I need to, I need to be committed to what is right. I need to live in line with what is right and what is lovely and what is admirable and excellent or praiseworthy. And he says, think about these things. Think about these things. Our thinking and our behavior go hand in hand. 
what you think is usually going to lead to what you do and what you act on. And so, so Paul is saying in Christ that we can change our thinking and we can align with him, which will affect not just our lives, but the lives of those around us. I want to finish today with a story. See, we're not too different from the disciples. And I love the stories that are shared in the word of God about the things that they endured. Because even though technology has changed and culture has changed and geography has changed, what hasn't changed is the heart and the mind of people. That we still get hung up on the same things that they did 2,000, 5,000, 6,000 years ago. We still have the same struggles. And, and it's illustrated really well for us in the story and found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 says this in verse 35, that day when evening came, he said, he being Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's amazing to me that first they're afraid of the waves and the wind, and then they're terrified of Jesus himself. And you see the instability of the disciples. Do you sometimes feel a little unstable? Do you feel like sometimes things are kind of moving around you and you can't get your grounding or your footing? You're no different to the disciples. In this story, we see so well that God is in control. God is in control. In the midst of this storm, the Sea of Galilee is a beautiful place, an amazing place. And so much of the ministry of Jesus happened on and around uh, this, this lake in Israel. See, they get in the boats and they're crossing. And, and the way that the, the valley coming into Galilee is, is situated is these winds will come in. Kind of like here in Southern California, we have the Santa Ana winds. It's similar to that. And it'll blow so much that the waves will start kind of pressing up against the boat and these fishing boats didn't have very high uh, side rails on the side of the boat so that they could pull the nets in and so that these waves start kind of crashing over into the boat and they're thinking we're gonna die we're gonna die out on the lake now remember that a lot of the disciples were fishermen they were used to being on the lake they were used to being on the sea of galilee so so it wasn't like they were overreacting can i pause here for a second I, I think this, I think I hear people saying this out loud, going, everyone's just overreacting. And, and I think there is maybe a modicum of that. But I think there's such a thing as underreacting as well. That God calls us to be a people of wisdom. Now, we don't walk with our eyes closed or just looking down, bumping into things. There's a real crisis taking place in the world. People are dying. 
People all over the world have lost their lives. There are families who are without loved ones today because of this virus. And I know to them, to the families who are locked in their homes in Italy right now, uh, this is not overreacting. There's a very real threat taking place in the world today. And so here the disciples are reacting to something that is really out of control. They're really out of control. And so, and so what they do is they... They turn to Jesus and they wake him up. And can you imagine this? Picture this. They shake him. Jesus, what's going on? What's happening? Don't you care if we drown? I love that. Now, they, these are guys that have walked with Jesus now for a while. They, they, they know him. They know his reputation. They know his goodness and his life. And they ask him, don't you care? Now, Here's what I know that they knew. They knew that Jesus cared. I know that you know that Jesus cares. Deep, deep in your heart, deep in, our, in, in just the way that we've been wired, we know this, that God cares about us. But I think it's the goal of the enemy to call into question the promises of God and the love of God and the care of God. And so we would say, God, don't you care about what's happening in the world? And some people would go so far as to say, well, if God was a loving God, if God was a loving God, well, he is a loving God. And in the midst of suffering, God brings his peace and his healing and his touch to bear. The disciples are freaking out. You might feel like right now, maybe you're freaking out or the people around you are freaking out. And Jesus' response is incredible. He simply gets up from sleeping. Jesus is sleeping in the storm. He's in the same boat. He's in the same storm. It's the same wind. It's the same waves. It's the same circumstances. But he is sleeping. And there's a peace about his life. And he gets up. And he just speaks to the winds and the waves. And he says, quiet. Be still. And immediately the winds and the waves obey him. And creation surrenders itself to the king of kings and lords of lords. And everything was calm. But then he says this to the, to the disciples. He says... Do you still have no faith? I know about you, but I so often read the Bible with a negative bent about myself. I read things like this. I read statements like this, and I hear a condemning voice. I, I struggle with that passage. Why would God call him out like that? Why would Jesus? You don't have any faith. Maybe in your past and maybe in your upbringing, all you've known is the finger pointing and the accusation. Can I tell you right now, in, in this passage, the heart of God is not one of accusation. It's a, it's a heart of concern. It's a heart of concern that Jesus is saying to them, guys, I know what lies ahead for you. I know what will come in the days ahead. And this storm has nothing on the, on the storms and the opposition and the persecutions you will face down the road. This storm has nothing. He says, you, you, you need to have a deeper level of faith. Can I tell you today, our faith is not in our faith. We are not the object of our faith. Jesus is the object of our faith. And we get our eyes fixed on the wrong thing. I know for some people, the idea that we can't gather in a church building today is just wrecking them. But the church is not the object of our faith. Jesus is. The government is not the object of our faith. Healthcare is not the object of our faith. 
Jesus is. And I think God's heart for us would be that same kind of concern as he watches us running back and forth saying, I'm concerned about you because your faith is fixed in the wrong place. See, it's easy for our eyes to get fixed on the wrong things, to put our trust in the systems and the structures and the objects of this world. But Jesus says, why? Why? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I think he's asking the same question of us today. Why? And it's not, a, it's not a question to call us out or to shame us. I believe it's a question that prevent, presents an invitation. It's a question that would say this. Why are you freaking out? Why are you having a hard time? Why has your faith been rocked? Because it doesn't have to be. I'm available. Jesus would say, I'm available to you. I want to be your rock. I want to be your salvation. I want to be your security. I want to be... You're all in all. It is an, an invitation to every one of us to embrace Jesus in the midst of the storm, to not wake him up and go, don't you know what's happening? Yes, he's already here. He's already present and he's already in control. The real miracle, miracle in all of this is hearts being turned to Jesus. It's our lives being surrendered to him. And so I believe in him asking us why today why why are you afraid why are you anxious why are you stressed out why are you concerned those places of why really reveal the places in our hearts and lives where we've believed things about who god is that are not true and we need to bring those things into alignment as he gently and 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 and, and intentionally calls us to a deeper relationship with him. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that is in control. So I'd ask you today, wherever you are in the world, in the midst of what you're feeling, in the midst of the storm, would you turn to Jesus? Would you fix your eyes on him? Would you put your trust in him? Would you bring those concerns? Would you bring the anxiety to him and say, Lord, would you speak into this for me? Would you bring healing in those places of my life where I need healing? Would you help me, Lord, to see the community around me so I can be your hands and feet and be a blessing? And in the same way that Jesus got up and he spoke to the wind and the waves, I believe that God in this moment is speaking to the wind and the waves. That this virus is fully under the control of Jesus Christ. That all creation is submitted to him. And I believe that God is speaking to the wind and the waves and i believe and i and, and i know i'm not alone in this that around the world that there that we are going to see the testimony of jesus christ increase like never before in modern history through this time as his name is lifted high but it starts with you and it starts with me as we would inspect our own lives and say where am i at with jesus so i want to invite you today would you bow your head right where you're at and i'm going to ask you to just ask Jesus why and maybe you're listening to this today or you're watching this service and maybe you've not put your faith and trust in him maybe you've not made the decision to make him the lord of your life that's the first step outside of Jesus outside of being a part of that body that we can't know that kind of peace we have to have the relationship with him 
in order for that to take place. And so I want to invite you, if you've not said yes to Jesus, would you just pray right now? Ask him, Jesus, would you become the Lord of my life? I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I, I, I repent of my sin, Lord, and I commit to follow you. And I invite you into every aspect of who I am, into my fear, into my Lord, in, into my anxiety, into my stress, into my circumstances. Lord, would you become the Lord of all? And just pray that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer right now, the Bible says this, through that act of re repentance and, and through that receptiveness to Jesus Christ, you are now part of that loaf, a part of that body of Christ. And I encourage you to press into that. If you were with someone today and you prayed that prayer, would you let someone know where you're at or would you hop on uh, the comments or the chat section and would you just let us know that you prayed that prayer? Uh, we would love to follow up with you and resource you. And then I want to, to all of us, I want to say this. Where are the places in your life that are being challenged right now? The sensitive things, that, that the fears. Would you invite Jesus? I want to invite those of us that are here this morning. Would you stand? We're going to, if, if you're in your living room or 